if you translated the wingdings, they spelled out spirituality. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fun. That's like, you know, in a, a regular paper today, you have the jumble. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are taking a trip over to Vermont to see what's doing. Yeah, we're gonna see what's happening over there. Yeah, Finally. strange things afoot. We have some listeners in Vermont, Michelle and Peter. Yep. I'm sure other people. Oh, uh, certainly. I would imagine. Um, but Michelle gave us a neat suggestion that I would like to go to first, if you don't mind. Oh, please. I'm curious, no, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, oh, you want to send over my way? Yes, I want to know about Monkey Town. Ah, understood, understood, understood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought this was kind of fun. I, I, I looked up a bunch of things about Vermont. For instance, did you know that it's the 14th state to join the Union? Of course I did. Of course you did. Yeah. That means like the 13 original colonies. The first one we added was Vermont. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Probably because of all that maple. It is also the second least populated state. Oh, nice. The fewest people... Outside of Wyoming, which has the actual fewest. Yeah. Vermont. Nice. It's barren land, evidently, which is why all these monsters and ghoulies and ghosties yeah. are able to hide in there. Right. They have space to flourish. But funny you should bring up uh, Michelle. Of course you would. <laughs> We've talked about things from Vermont before. Yeah. Because of Michelle. I know. Michelle, Michelle's really running the show. It's true. We covered Emily's Bridge in episode 17. Mm-hmm. And then the very next episode, we talked about the Bennington Triangle, yeah. which touches in Vermont. Uh, I, yeah, Vermont. Uh -huh. I keep wanting to say Idaho. If I suddenly start saying really? Idaho, I know. I Why? don't know. All in my notes, I keep almost writing Idaho. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. I got potatoes on the brain. I'm not I sure. I guess so. I'm not sure. Um, but we covered the Bennington Triangle in episode mm -hmm. 18. Love um, a triangle. But then, yeah, this 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 episode uh, all kicked off because of this monkey town yeah. story. I don't remember how this was pitched in the chat. It, I don't even remember. I mean, I just had put it in our notes. I just wrote Monkey Town VT Michelle in parentheses. Yeah, I took barely it any It was like notes. a long time ago. I had an alert on my phone that said, look up Monkey Town at 10 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know oh, yeah. what this is. Monkey Town where? Right. If you just Google Monkey Town, you'll find a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Specifically, Monkey Town Vermont is kind of a weird story it's a little bit of an adventure you're really gonna have to go with me on this all right that's fine i remember now so i i made that note like months and months ago and i mentioned it we record this show live and um talk to the chat after we're done recording the main show and michelle was in the chat and i said oh monkey town for michelle and she was like monkey town's gonna be like a short one okay yeah it's gonna be a little bit longer than you think because <laughs> i i really got into it yeah uh, so the the sort of I'll I'll pare down what the actual sort of rumor about this place is Monkey Town. Basically, it is said to be uh, almost like a ghost town mm -hmm. um, where people live. So okay. I guess not so much a ghost town, a forgotten commune. Mm. A lot of people seem to describe it as resembling um, the 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 little community from the movie The Village. Okay. So rustic. Old timey mm -hmm. has not advanced into the modern era. Yeah, somewhat isolated. Isolated, almost as if you're living as a pilgrim. Yeah, so it's like off the grid. Yes, off. Yeah, off the grid is good, especially because I tried to look up on Google Maps and do like street view, so I could ah. really see what it looked like. And street view just stops before <laughs> you get to the area That's of Monkey weird. Town. It's private property. Wow, they can't go there. The whole town is pirate property? Yeah, we'll, wow. we'll get into it. So here's, I, I, I struggled, struggled to learn 
what the story behind it is. I found the truth. Mm-hmm. And then I struggled to figure out why is this place called Monkey Town? Yeah. And what exactly is the rumor? Here's what I've uh, pieced together. This little community is behind a cemetery near Woodstock, Vermont. Uh, And I think its proximity to a cemetery heightens the spooky appeal. Um, There is a podcast I found. I thought this was really neat. It's called Brave Little State. Okay. It is a podcast by people in Vermont. It's like an NPR type podcast. I think it's picked up by an NPR affiliate. And this podcast, most of the time, is like, you know, let's talk about how to clean your gutters. Uh uh-huh, Just normal Just normal stuff. stuff. But there's one episode, Your Vermont Ghost Stories, a Halloween special. Perfect. Where they reached out to people in Vermont and said, if you've got a scary story, record it yourself and send it in to us. And so they rebroadcast this one uh, that was sent in by Noah Detzer, who not only tells the story of Monkey Town, but in his recording, visits Monkey Town. So it was like a little found footage expedition in the middle of this NPR podcast. Yeah, it's perfect. So he describes Monkey Town as uh, being uh, at the end of a long dirt road, one road that leads in and out. Okay. All right. Rumored to be haunted by kids who went into Monkey Town and never returned. Mm-hmm. One of the rumors that Noah collected is that a cult uh, lives in Monkey Town and began so long ago that the gene pool has gotten pretty shallow. Hmm. Now, this is a phrase that I've heard people use before. <laughs> the gene pool is pretty shallow. I I probably pun. have heard that before. I think I've heard things like the family tree is just one branch. Yeah, uh uh-huh, stuff like that. So uh, the idea is that, yeah, I guess this community is so sort of cut off that, what, they're not as evolved or they're unwell or... Well, I think it's an inbreeding thing. Oh, it is an inbreeding... Oh, it's definitely an inbreeding thing. But what is the implication of that? Because here's the other thing. Trying to figure out why it's called Monkey Town, Mm -hmm. I came up with nothing. Really? Nothing. Huh, I'm surprised to hear that. Except for a theory that I'll postulate... Monkey has often been used as a pejorative for people. Yeah. Uh, Irish people had been called monkeys uh-huh. uh, like a hundred years ago. They're like political. I didn't know that. You didn't know this? No. There are literally political cartoons depicting Irishmen as big, lumbering, hairy, like dragging their knuckles. I know that, you know, they were called like dum dums, but I didn't realize monkeys. Monkey. It also, was, not it was, literally dum dums. I know. It's, an, yeah. it's, it's a horrible slur for a bunch of people. Yeah. Is this coupled with the the gene pool is pretty shallow? Right. Are we saying the people that live in Monkey Town? It's like dumbass town. Sure, dumbass town. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. That's the best that I could sort of figure. Maybe. Skirting, skirting around the boundaries of complete poor taste. Yeah. But, I mean, why else? Yeah, that could be. Um, Visiting Monkey Town, according to Noah, only counts. It's like a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, if you're a, a teenager... You might dare your friends to go visit Monkey Town, but the visit doesn't count unless you ring a particular bell. Oh, that's, that's fun. That's in, in, in like the town center. Oh, that's also scary. It's very scary. Town you, center. You can't just get to Monkey Town. You've got to really get in there and you've even got to ring the bell, which threatens to bring attention. Intense. But that's what counts. That's what the bravery, uh, the brave really do. Mm-hmm. Um 
So we hear his recording as he goes down to Monkey Town. And I'll have links in the show notes, gttupod.com. You can listen to this. It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he and a buddy drive down to Monkey Town. And he goes, oh, there's the bell right there. All right, ring it, ring it. And then it's clearly a sound effect. Yeah. I think. It's just like a, a ringy, dingy, stock sounding sound effect. Maybe they juiced it for broadcast. Yeah. And maybe like the, he actually it rang a bell. It was too faint. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But to me, I was like. So is this real? Did it make you think like, is this not a real thing? Yeah. Is he maybe not even there? Yeah. You know? Um, and then he says that a light turned on in one of the abandoned buildings nearby. So they, they booked it. <laughs> he describes the buildings as like many of them having the doors nailed shut. Like oh. this is an abandoned M. Night Shyamalan village. Yeah. Um, and he ends his broadcast by saying the mystery remains. He's not sure what the story behind Monkey Town is, but at least those are the urban legends. Those are the rumors that it's a, a shallow gene pool cult commune thing that's been abandoned, yeah. but someone's still in there. Yeah. That's all he's got for us, but he says he'll never go back again. The mystery of Monkey Town remains. Hmm. Gene Pool is a good like drag name. Hi, I'm Gene Pool. Yeah. I like it. Hmm. Uh, I've got another story of sort of like building up the horror of Monkey Town, and then I'll tell you what the truth is. Oh, cool. I found one person who told a story on Reddit in the Let's Not Meet subreddit this was posted by tan tan meeks 1994 um this is pretty fun again sort of flushes out what people might say in the area um he says oh hello i'm a 24 year old male who was born and raised in northern new, new england i grew up hearing all the scary stories and urban legends that haunted my dreams but there was one local legend that everyone in my high school knew about monkey town Monkey Town was supposed to be a Christian retreat camp. You'd have to take this road in between a funeral home and a cemetery down a big hill, and you'd enter what looks like the set from the village. Mm -hmm. It was a big circle of old-style houses with a big white church in the middle. Um, it was always a dare to see how far you could walk down into the quote-unquote camp without chickening out. Yeah. So similar rites of passage type story. No bell mm -hmm. in this version of it. I remember a couple of times in middle school, a few friends and I made it halfway down the hill before scampering out. Yeah. So he goes on to tell this story about how he drove in his car with his friends and for fun to scare them, scare themselves, they put on the score for, uh, that, for Halloween. Excellent. So they're listening to the Halloween score as they go down this dirt road down a hill toward Monkey Town. And he says that when they finally got down there... He turns and all of a sudden sees a really large man in overalls brandishing some sort of a weapon running at them. Oh, my God. So, boom, he guns it. They get the hell out of there. He goes back another time with different friends. Oh, he's tempting fate. He really is. And he he sort of gets a, a, a little bit of a comeuppance here. Uh -huh. Same thing. He drives down into Monkey Town. Won't you take me to Monkey Town? <laughs> of course. He goes down. And this time, it's like five guys. I picture it's like cut and paste the same guy five yeah. times, like all in overalls. Definitely. With the one overall undone, so it's yeah. flapping, you know? Always. They're all brandishing hammers and, I don't know, pickaxe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But they run at him, and this time one of them screams like, get out of the car! And again, he just guns no way. it, peels out, they're gone. But by the time he gets home, the police are waiting for him. Somebody jotted down his license plate. Oh. And he went, Well, I guess Monkey Town's not that far off the grid if they can call the coppers. Yeah, I guess. True. Good point. Uh, well, we're gonna we're about to get into what the real deal yeah. is here. 
So uh, he basically says, like, you know, they they didn't charge me with anything. You know, I apologize for trespassing, but that's essentially the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into the truth. Okay. The, that, to the best of my knowledge, is what the legend is. Yeah. Secret little community. Someone's in there, and we don't know what's going on. You know what it reminds me of in Brownies and Daniel Stern? Of course. Best episode of the show. Best episode. Uh, when Daniel Stern stopped in a little town and he went into like a town square clearing thing and there were just like silent people around just like staring at him. This is a recurring like horror trope, yeah. not just an urban legend, but like a true like horror movie trope right. of like coming across a, a fully fledged established community who follow different rules from the rest of us. Yeah. And you're an outsider who is yeah. unwanted. Mm hmm. But it's also undeniable where it's like, maybe leave these people alone. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, there's I a what, reason they decided to go hang out by themselves. No wonder Google Maps doesn't go down there. It's like, we're trying not to be part of everything. Can you all leave us alone? Right. Can teens stop driving down in the middle of the night blasting Halloween? Yeah, What's there's wrong a reason we're here. We want to be left alone. So here's trying to chill. Here's the deal. When I all looked right. at the Google Maps where it hits the dead end, there's mm-hmm. a sign. Uh, it's the White River Camp, an evangelical retreat center, and it has existed since 1887. Oh, okay. Um, and then I found this from uh, Quora, where people ask questions and then somebody uh, provides answers. Somebody essentially asks, like, what is Monkey Town? How do mm-hmm. I get in there? And then this was a, a pretty interesting response from Michael McCosker. Monkey Town is actually White River Advent Christian Camp, and I am a member. So he's posting on the internet. Yeah. There are only a few full-time residents of the camp because uh, because of its designation as a historical camp, which prohibits more people from moving in full-time. So that's why there are only a couple of people there. Yeah, it's locked down. We have a full family camp for the first week in August and have since the late 1800s. Yes, religious, not a community, just a campground. Oh, okay. So they don't live there. Nobody. Yeah, I guess a couple of people live there to maintain the property, it seems. Yeah. Uh, And then I've got this pretty interesting article from V News, which I assume is Vermont Mm -hmm. News. Uh, I didn't uh, validate, um, you know, I didn't double check who these sources are, let's say. Fine. So they spoke with Pastor Michael Grant, who as of 2016, when the article was published, had been the president of that Advent camp or whatever for nearly 30 years. Most of this article is about how the houses are not up to code and how this is like a woefully like dangerous kind of place. There was a big, all these houses used to be built way closer together. And then there was a fire around the turn of the century and it destroyed most of the community. Oh, yikes. And like the houses are just made out of like plywood with cheap tin roofs. Uh It's like the entire article is about how it's like. (laughs) <laughs> like super dangerous and might collapse. It's like a tinderbox. Yes. But most of the, the crux of the article is about uh, this guy trying to get the community designated as like a historical place that can be preserved. Okay. Um, but so would that then like keep them from doing their camp thing? Because if it's, if it's a historical place that's preserved, can they like hold things there and live there and stuff that's for a, the camp time? Yeah, I think because it's theirs. Okay. You know, I don't think that, you know, I think it's being preserved for a purpose or something. I, yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. But uh, evidently this August is really when whatever they do pops off. Hmm. And a few hundred people will come in and they'll they'll stay there. And they have like dorms. Okay. Um, but 
when it was popular at the in the late 1800s to the early 20th century, um, it was like evidently like a thousand some odd people. So the numbers have severely dwindled. Yeah. Like severely dwindled. I mean, it's it's like a, a sect of a religion, right? So it's like kind of niche. That's how I took it. Like yeah. evangelical. And they almost live like Amish. They said that right. at one point in the article, it, it was like um, kids are, if they come in, are not allowed to have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you drag them down the hill into the camp kicking and screaming because they don't <laughs> want to come. A week later, you drag them kicking and screaming up the hill because they don't want to leave. Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, this was a description. <laughs> this was a description that I, uh, of, of course, I had to copy this down. In a residential lodge, the, the locks on the door consist of blocks of wood rotating around nails. What? I can't. I, I, I can't even picture it. Yeah. I have no idea how this works. This is some like bizarre method of keeping a door shut that they came up with you know yeah in lieu of having keys on on plymouth rock right to keep the loo i can't imagine many of the rooms are equipped with what gant the pastor called thunder pots what's that what do you think it is because you're right it's like a chamber pot. A necessity before a toilet was installed in a small pot in a small room downstairs Thunder pot. Thunder pot. Having a little fun with it? Whoa. Trying some to make thunder it thunder from down under. Trying to make it fun. Where's my thunder pot? The idea <laughs> man, this is a horror that I hadn't considered until just now. A toilet is in a fixed space. That's where it always is. Yeah. Back in the day, somebody could take and hide your, your thunder pot. Oh my god, I totally would have hid your thunder pot. Oh my god, if I yeah. Mom! Kristen <laughs> took my thunder pot again. <laughs> I think she's wearing it as a hat. <laughs> We're using it as a feedback like a horse. <laughs> Put a ton of cinnamon toast crunch in it. Horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. <laughs> but the idea that you could take someone's chamber pot. Right. To really put them in a bind. Yeah, it's portable. Like punish the kid. You can have your thunder pot back after supper. <laughs> oh, God. It's a sadistic thunder pot. You're using it too a sadistic much. sadistic thunder pot. It's sadistic punishment. You're getting too much joy out of that thunder pot. <laughs> Um, Maybe that's why they changed the name from Thunderpot because it sounds too fun. Maybe. Everybody's having too good a time on there. Yeah. They're like chamber pot. Yeah, exactly. It's for your chambers. Yeah, this okay? is a serious thing. This isn't a toy. It's not just for it's making thunder. Okay? Right. Come boom, on. boom, boom. We know, but yeah. get in and get out. Yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. The I, toilet's I want the... in the room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Do we need to cover Thunderpots more or? I don't know. You got any more about Thunderpots? I'm sure that we could weave something together if we really <laughs> had to. So um, th- this is how the article ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Historic Preservation Commission has recently reviewed demolition ordinance. <laughs> like they're like talking at this point. They're like talking about like, do we preserve it or do we destroy it? Right. Like couldn't make their minds up. Yeah. Either like 50, extreme. 50. To the best of my knowledge, it's been preserved. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. But uh, Gant, the pastor, did say, if I felt like the heritage of this place was under attack, I'd shut it down. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's the truth of Monkey Town, is that it is deliberately a hidden away mm-hmm. evangelical, meaning, I interpret it as like severely religious mm-hmm. um, community that does not want to be part of the outside world, or yeah. more, more specifically, I'm, I assume they go to the store. Yeah. I They just don't well, want sounds like the, kids just... coming in <laughs> making fun of them. <laughs> 
Oh, they're so weird. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I don't yeah. know how everyone feels about religion out there, whatever, but what's going on down there? Yeah. The people want to know. Right. I do have, and now the people know. I do have quick sidebar monkey news. This sure. is the other oh. uh, monkey-related thing I found in Vermont. Great. Great, William. Uh, Atlas Obscura has an entire article about flying monkeys mm -hmm. in Burlington, Vermont, because there are iron statues of Wizard of Oz flying monkeys on top of a couple of buildings. Oh, that's cool. Which is very weird. Um, but the reason why is even weirder. I thought, I don't know, did somehow, who, who wrote... Wizard of Oz. Frank. L.L. Bean. Frank ba L. Baum. Yeah. yeah. So say Frank Gorshin. His stories are the Baum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank Gorshin. <laughs> no, not quite. No. Uh, there, I, I thought maybe, you know, E.L. Fudge, whatever name we just said. Frank. Frank Baum? Fr Frank Baum. B-A-U-M. Barry Baum. Yeah. Uh, right? Maybe he was from there. He's not, to my knowledge anyway. There had been in the 70s a waterbed store Okay. Named Emerald City. So that's the reason there are. That's so weird. That's it's L. Why. Frank Baum. L. We very close. Frank Baum. How strange! So everybody just really loved this waterbed store and like rallied around it. I, I think I think the guy who owned the waterbed store more to the point sort of like commissioned. Oh, that makes way a couple more sense. of monkeys. In and my then the community was like, hey, we're we're down with these monkeys. Sure. My version was that the community so embraced. The theme that they decided right. to put flying monkeys. We're so proud that we have this waterbed store. This is the pillar of our community. Yeah. Without this waterbed store. We would be nothing. We'd be in big trouble. <laughs> All right. So do you want to look to the skies real quick? Oh, I would love to. I don't know what that means. For UFOs. Oh, of course. Let's see what's going on. Okay. So it is a hot spot, Vermont, for UFOs. Is that right? It is the second most likely state to spot a UFO in after Washington. And let's. And may I remind you? Yes. It is the second least populated state. Oh yeah, lots of seconds. That's why it's called the runner-up state. Mm, number like two. how Jersey is the Garden State. Yeah, Vermont. The, I don't know if it's called that. The Thunderpot sure State. Not. Yeah, it's probably the Thunderpot State. Yeah, that's weird. Well, well what yeah. do you what do you think? Like, is there a correlation between maybe no one being around and seeing a UFO? It's easier to clock stuff. It's easier to spot a UFO in the sky because there's not a lot going on. Or there's like not light pollution. There's not a lot going on. Your imagination can run wild. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. Or would it be less likely for people to spot UFOs left and right if there are fewer people? There are fewer people to see them. You know what I mean? So if we're playing a numbers game with potential spotters, You're right. then you would think that you'd want the most populated state, New Jersey. But don't you also associate wilderness with Washington? Uh, yes, totally. So, no, I think that I'm just kind of spitting. No, I know. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying I to. I think that there is some sort of spot some correlations here. I think that there probably is some sort of correlation. Exactly what we said. Like, it's easier to see things because there's less light pollution, probably in some areas, and I don't know. And you also, associate UFOs with the Midwest a lot, and a lot of the Midwest is not populated. Yeah, no, it's true. So apparently in a since-deleted blog on I'm-a-puzzle.com, a puzzling website. And and you managed to puzzle it out and find something that had been deleted? Yeah, well, I came across something where they were, they, they Some said- Some dark like, web hacker? <laughs> no, somebody was like, oh, it's the second- 
you know, most UFO-y state, according to imapuzzle.com. But then I went to imapuzzle.com and I was excited to see what's going on on this blog. And I searched Vermont. I searched UFO. Gone. Gotcha. So I think that there must have been some sort of wily writer for imapuzzle.com for a while who put something weird up there. Yeah. And I think they since scrubbed it because it doesn't make any sense. I, hey, I'm, I'm all for something that doesn't. We've had we've had sources in the past that are like a car sale website and stuff. I, I really, really enjoy that. Yeah, it was like it. a car insurance website, um, uh, like an engagement ring website. I got a ton of Irish stuff from. It was like CelticRings.com or yeah, something. Yeah, love it. It's delightful. But so, I'mapuzzle.com analyzed data from the National UFO Reporting Center and found that since the year 2000, July is the best month to spot UFOs wow. with an average of 603 sightings uh, every month since the year 2000. Every month? Mm, excuse me, every July. Um, and that's double what gets reported in like February. Whoa. So every July, the average is like 603 over the last however many years from 2000 since I'm a puzzle.com put this up, <laughs> which has been deleted. Is there any chance that these people are seeing fireworks around the 4th of July? <laughs> that happened to me when I was a kid. I, I saw 100% fireworks from my window in Connecticut. It's like one of the only like real visceral memories where I can see it. And um, I, I saw this like red thing and I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. Is that like an alien? Is that a UFO? And then I like, I went to bed. It clearly wasn't that worked up. And the next day I was like, huh, well it is 4th of July, but that would be the perfect cover. Now, but then I also, I knew it wasn't the now, case. Now imagine if you uh, craved more attention mm. uh, and didn't reason things out as clearly. I could have made a real meal of that. And who's to say people have not. That's true. Also, February, you said is like like they don't there aren't as many or whatever. Yeah, people are inside. It's the winter. Yeah. So July, people are outside. Yes. People are for some reason setting off goddamn fireworks in the wee hours of the morning. You I monsters! Know. I hate friggin' fireworks. It's now. a it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, just saying, just saying. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that is absolutely true. Like people are out and about a little bit more. Yeah. All the factors that we talked about. I think definitely play into it. But it's an interesting statistic. Here's another interesting thing. So the big main sighting that people talk about happening in Vermont was spotted by military at the North Concord Air Force Station in East Mountain. So the military reports of U the military reported a UFO scene hovering for 18 minutes. And that would seem notable. Like that yeah, that's, that's pretty much like, if you look this up, you're going to find that same stat all the time. It's just like the military at this place said that they saw something hovering for 18 minutes without a lot of embellishment because the date makes it interesting and something else that happened that same day. It happened on September 19th, 1961, just hours before the purported abduction of Betty and Barney Hill oh. in Newby, New Hampshire, which is a very significant event in UFO history. Now, I could swear we've covered this. We definitely have. I could not find it for the life of me. I looked through our episodes on like the Apple podcast thing. It's not in my notes. Maybe you covered it. Maybe. Um, I don't know. But I couldn't find it. But I know that we have. I'll give it a search. Yeah, give it a shot. 
Um, so there's so there aren't a lot of like real specific big UFO stories in Vermont besides that. Um, but there is something a little bit interesting. Uh, last May, when the U.S. Intelligence House Subcommittee had its first public hearings on UFOs, do you remember that? Like everybody was yeah. freaking out. Definitely. Vermont Representative Peter Welch was there interviewing officials. That is not the Peter who we were talking about who listens to the show. Okay. Although maybe he does. Welcome, Representative Welch. <laughs> uh, love your grape juice. Chris. Well, uh, where's the Thunderpot? <laughs> I had a little bit too much. I've had too much grape juice. <laughs> uh, so... I'm going to throw up this Welch's into my Thunderpot. <laughs> uh, so this is a quote from Welch. He said, no one knows whether there's extraterrestrial life. And he told this to Ronald Moultrie. <laughs> Ma, pass the thunder pot. I had too much grape juice again. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. It's my turn. Give it here. <laughs> Go on, give it. <laughs> Fighting over it and sloshing. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Because what's the system here? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, you're... are they cleaning it thoroughly after every use? I'm not sure. Maybe, but I'm not sure. Is it one per person? What's the deal here? Yeah, that's a good question. I did just read. Do we really want to? It's just, fine. Just it's go fine. ahead. Just tell your story. I'm going ahead. Okay. So <laughs> Welch said to Ronald Moultrie, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, no one knows whether there's extraterrestrial life. It's a big universe. People think there must be extraterrestrial life, and it's not at all beyond the pale that there would be a visit here. Uh, local Nicole Nelson may have had one such visit oh. in Vermont. One night, she, her partner, some friends and family all headed outside to view a lunar eclipse. It hadn't rained in a long time and the tide was low, so they all waded out into a nearby lake. And it was overcast, but they were hoping for a glimpse of something. And uh, Nicole's father was super into astronomy and she kind of cut, caught the bug. So she was excited to see this moon. Uh, <laughs> Nicole's father showed his full moon? <laughs> Look, there is a full moon after all. We caught sure it's overcast, but I can see the moon just fine. We caught Paul using his thunderpot in the woods. We saw the full moon. I'm gonna have a hard time getting over this thunderpot, everybody. I really have to apologize. It's like colored everything. It's changed everything. While Kristen's well, talking, the inside of the thunderpot gets colored it something. Sure does. Uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry, everybody. <laughs> I can't apologize. I forgot that I had found that, and then I was, I'm so excited to tell it's it. It's fun to when Kristen, it comes on back. Then, uh, I just can't can't stop thinking about it. Oh God. Okay, so. So looking, looking for the moon, looking for the moon. And then all of a sudden, here's a quote from Nicole. They said, this thing came out of the sky, like a cross between an old train and a giant insect. What? Wait a minute. I am having a hard time picturing this. Same. An old train and an insect. I know. So like insect meaning like segmented body, like a train I has multiple train cars. No clarifying information. Because when she, at first when you said old train in the sky. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking Doc Brown. Me too. Right with his with his time travel and choo choo at the end with his son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what his son does. Pee pee. <laughs> if people don't know, watch Back to the Future Part Three again. But watch 
Doc Brown's boys. Watch either Jules or Vert. I'm not sure which one does it. Someone but... points to his Jules. I'll <laughs> tell you that. I If you Google it, there's definitely a YouTube uh, clip. I'm sure there's a GIF. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. It's so funny. It's so funny. But yeah, flying train. That's what I think of. But then when you said oh, yeah. mixed with an insect, I'm sorry. I, I have know. no idea. Uh, she goes on. It was hard to make out the details, you don't say, because it was so dark. But we all saw it. My friends and I and my cousin, all of us. It came down towards us, then veered away. I'm not too easily scared, but I was like, hey, screw this. We're leaving. Hmm. Uh, They go on to say, no matter how science-minded you are, when you experience a thing like that, it reinforces the concept that we are really only seeing the tiniest tip of the iceberg. Think about how little light in the spectrum our eyes actually pick up or all the frequencies our ears can't hear. Our senses are limited. You have to think there's so much happening outside of our range. Yeah. Yeah. I I, love that thought. I I love that, too, because they're evidently there are like animals that see different frequencies and stuff. It's like Mm -hmm. we're not all perceiving the same. Right. Which is so cool. (coughs) It is a crazy concept. Yeah. Um, Real quick on the Barney and Betty Hill. Yes. Front. It looks like I talked about them in episode 76. Great. Thank you. I don't know if it's substantial. Like maybe that's something worth revisiting. Maybe. We've we've revisited old topics before. Maybe Mm -hmm. this could be one of them. But yeah. Yeah. That was episode 76. Oh, good. All right. Thank you. That was driving me crazy. What's the name of the episode? Great question. I only found my notes where I talked about gray aliens. Okay. I don't know what your half was. Well, that's all I need to know. I was just curious what we called it because I I just couldn't figure it out. It was back when we covered two topics in a single episode. So 76. Here, bear with me for like one second and I can... Almost certainly Let's just find out. out. Yeah, because they usually didn't pair together well. No. Yeah. <laughs> episode 76, Gray Aliens and MTV's Fear. Ah, of course. Oh, that's a good episode, though. We then. talked about the episode, the, the show where MTV had people in, uh, investigate haunted houses. I loved researching that. I that it. was fun. That would be fun to watch for Patreon or something. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm not the one who stuff up. It's Monster where? Magnet. No, it's uh, Godsmack. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was Monster Magnet. <laughs> I'm surprised I even noticed. I think Monster Magnet only had one single. They're like a big and it was hit. like, space something, mother, mother. Yeah, that's and right. And they're like in Vegas for the video. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Space Lord? Uh, I, I, know. I know specifically because uh, the front man is very good friends with Walt Flanagan. Oh, okay. Tell him Steve Dave. Yeah. And uh, so he's been on the show a whole bunch, but I, I thought oh, it was MTV's fear. So maybe that's why it was top of mind. It's my mistake. <laughs> maybe they did a making the video. Maybe could be. All right. So before Will moves on to tell us about more strange stuff in Vermont, we got to tell you about some strange stuff on another show. Yeah, that's right. All right, you got to check out this new podcast, Digital Folklore. It's a highly polished comedic adventure through the wide world of online culture and modern folklore. Immersive, fun, and educational. It's a bit like if Scooby-Doo were a documentary. Hosts Perry and Mason blend a richly sound-designed fictional world with expert interviews to explore how the subject of folklore is so much more than you might think. Memes, creepypastas, ARGs, fan fiction, even misinformation and disinformation are all examples of modern folklore. You'll learn more than you expect and probably fall in love with their raccoon mascot, too. Search for Digital Folklore in your podcast app or go to Digital 
digitalfolklore.fm. Now, Digital Folklore, friend of the show, Chelsea Weber-Smith. That's right. Of American Hysteria has mm-hmm. been on the show. Yes. And I believe uh, keen-eared uh, listeners will hear them talk about Guide to the Unknown as well. Mm. On that episode of Digital Folklore? I don't think specifically oh. on that one, no. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But uh, who's to say? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to do some crossovers with them in the future. Absolutely. Uh, so go check that out. And if yeah. you want to support Guide to the Unknown, if you, you need, crave more of us, of mm-hmm. course, we've just told you that the expanded Vermont world is out there. <laughs> episode 17, episode 18, episode 76 with Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah. Um, but you can also go to patreon.com slash gttupod where you can not only support us, but get a ton of shows. There are different tiers. Find the one that fits you. The best one for your buck is the demon tier. That's $13 a month. And you're going to get access to damn near 100 episodes right away. I do want to clarify this because we had a question in the week. Mm -hmm. If you were to sign up for any of the tiers that get these bonus shows, you are going to immediately get access to a ton of material. There is almost 100 episodes up there already. Yep. So if you became a ghost right now, you'd get 25-ish episodes. If you became a banshee, you'd get around 50. But again, the demons, they get everything. Mm -hmm. Not Um, bad. Not bad at all. The most recent episode that Kristen and I put out was us sort of talking about recent events. We talked about the spy balloon stuff. Um, uh, We talked a little bit about like, um, Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talked a lot of Marvel stuff. It was it was fun. We got a lot of yeah. good feedback that people really enjoy it when Chris and I just sort of talk off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And it was very much like a classic conversation kind of episode. So yep. go dig into that. Uh, and I don't want to tip our hand too much, but check the calendar as we record everybody. A certain movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. And Kristen and I, I think, are going to have a back-to-back about Scream 6 in the next couple of weeks. That's correct. So you're going to want to visit us there. Patreon.com slash pod. We'd love to have you. All right. So let's talk more about um, ghosts. Great. In Vermont. Um, I've got a story that I thought was really fun. And it, and it brought me to one of our old friends, one of our favorite sources of all time. I looked at hauntedplaces.org. Hell Yeah. And I forgot, I guess, that they have a ranking system. Mm-hmm. So I have the story of the most haunted place in Vermont. Oh, great. It is the Eddie House. Ooh. Now, this almost feels like something. How is this spelled? E-D-D-Y. Great. Almost like the ice cream. Mm, close. E-D-D-Y. Close. Close. Very, very close. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, this is uh, part of this. I've got a couple of sources on this because it's an interesting sort of like historical tale, um, but it's a lot about spiritualism, mm-hmm. psychics. These are things that I, I think I associate with us covering these kinds of topics early on in our yeah. history where we talked about the Fox sisters and stuff like that. Yep. This is a, a, a very interesting one. The the Eddie brothers, we could almost call this. Well, I guess siblings. There's two brothers and a sister. Okay. But it seems mostly to focus on the two brothers. So this comes to us from hauntedplaces.org. This is their description. Formerly the Eddie House, the building that houses the High Life Ski Club Lodge has a long history of being haunted since at least 1874. Originally, originally the home of Zeppaniah Eddie. It's a mouthful. Zeppaniah, who had three children, William, Horatio, and Mary, descended from a long line of psychics. The Eddies were mediums from a young age as evidenced by disembodied voices, pounding, house shaking, and even vanishing in their cribs as infants. Now that's not like spiritualism that you ever think about. That's like these kids are paranormal. Yeah. Um, 
They also were said to play with ghostly children who vanished when others would draw near. They often went into trances or spoken spirits' voices. Banished from school because of levitating desks and books that flew through the air, the children were often beaten by their furious father, Zephaniah. Sick of it all, the man sold his children to a traveling sideshow. Oh my God. That took them all around the United States. Ugh. Now that's like an old, like, like Grimm's fairy tale. It definitely is. It feels like it's like the prologue to yeah. a story. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yes. Um, as adults, now this next source was, was really cool to get good details from. American Hauntings Inc.com. Hmm. Uh, as adults, after their father died, the brothers, Horatio and William, moved back into the Eddie house with their sister, Mary, where they would conduct seances and people would come from all around and they started to get pretty famous. Yeah. I believe this was late 1800s. Is this around the spiritualist movement? I think so. I think it's like pretty prime yeah. spot for this stuff to get popular. Um, but the story takes a weird turn. The Eddies are doing all of this psychic stuff and somebody else enters the story and we really start to see what the Eddies were up to through the vantage point of somebody who is said to be like on the level, steadfast, came to research, wanted to be um, impartial, mm -hmm. and uh, he's going to leave firmly as a believer. Oh, interesting. So uh, this is the story of a successful attorney named Henry Steele Olcott. Prior to hearing of the Eddie brothers... Olcott had no interest whatsoever in the burgeoning spiritualist movement. However, one day as he returned to his office from lunch, he picked up a copy of the spiritualist newspaper, The Banner of Light. Ooh. Now, Kristen, as a fellow spiritual journalist. Yeah. You wrote famously as a child. The Spiritual Gazette. The Spiritual Gazette. Yeah. One issue. Mm -hmm. Pretty exclusive. Just the one, mostly aimed toward, um, like, passive-aggressively getting uh, me and my co-author, C.J. Hauser's parents, to buy us presents. Because it was pretty much only, uh, what's it called? Uh, horoscopes? Yes. And so for, like, my horoscope, it said... Um, or no, I guess like for mom or dad's horoscope would say like, you want to buy your daughter a Casio secret sender. And like Christy had it say whatever for her parents too. It's pretty slimy. Yeah. And then there were wingdings that we misidentified as hieroglyphics. My apologies. And also, um, like a, I don't know, like an Egyptian guy on there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, if you translated the wingdings, they spelled out spirituality. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fun. That's like, you know, in a, a regular paper today, you have the jumble. Yeah, exactly. It was our version of, version of the jumble. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, with Dilbert getting canceled lately, are you worried that people are going to look <laughs> at your newspaper and... <laughs> and and take me down? They're going to take your jumble out of... Circ your your wingdings out of circulation. Oh, my God. Granted, I know. It's it... only in the one paper 30 years ago. Correct. But I do have it up on my Instagram. Oh, my God. I should probably pull that toot sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, this guy, Olcott, picked up a, a full-ass newspaper called the Spiritual... Or, uh, what was it called? Spiritual... The Banner of Light. Okay. That was a whole yeah. thing? Like, you could publish that all the time? I think wow. the newspaper is being, like, daily, you know? Yeah. It was probably like a little pamphlet. Yeah. You read, you read with, with dinner. dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the paper, 
he read a graphic account of the strange happenings that were being reported in Chittenden, Vermont. It's unlikely at that time that Olcott had any idea how a simple newspaper article was going to change his life. So that's from that source I told you yeah. about. Now, this guy, Olcott, was evidently a very big deal. He was one of three people who investigated the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wow. Now, I say that to really say, like, this was a serious yeah. person with an established reputation. I love it when this happens. I love it. Yeah. Because he comes in with his arms, maybe not with his arms folded. He wanted to be impartial. Right. He essentially reads this newspaper and he decides, I'm going to go to the Eddie house. Because he he had a quote here that was, that was pretty fun. I got to see it. I, I got to see this stuff. <laughs> He said that if it was real, it would be one of, quote, the most important facts in modern physical science. Yeah. That we've contacted the dead and ectoplasm and people appearing as if from nowhere. But then he said if he found them to be phony, he would essentially expose that. Mm -hmm. Like they'd be exposed to the world as Perfectly fair. Um, He would hear that the brothers were descended from a line of psychics, including Mary Bradbury, who was one of the people convicted of witchcraft in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. Uh, So (laughs) I guess a long history of mediums in that family. Yeah. Now their father, Zephaniah, considered their gift to basically be the work of the devil. Mm -hmm. And so he would beat them to try to exorcise the demons out of them. They evidently fell into such deep trances that he, Zephaniah, would go to extreme lengths to try to break them out of the trance including boiling, pouring boiling water on them and even dropping hot coals into their hands. Oh, my God. And they didn't come out of their trances? Well, I don't don't know. Maybe they did. Oh, (laughs) ow, ow, ow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm awake. Yikes. When he sold them to Mm -hmm. to like travel around as spiritualists, they would do an act, but they were met with more sort of like brutality. When they would go into a trance, yeah, people would like, punch them and beat them to try to get them to come out of the trance and because of them being able to conjure voices evidently they had quote hot wax yeah hot wax was poured into their mouths to see if they could produce spirit voices when they were unable to talk oh my god it's like you know you you do this to um but so i mean that implies to me that they were willing participants in that it does well in that but the wax thing Unless they were in a trance and they couldn't move. I mean, I don't know. Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah. Who's that guy who has the puppets? Oh, Jeff Jeff Dunham. Dunham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you really wanted to see (laughs) if that grumpy old man or some of his racist puppets can really talk, you pour hot wax in his mouth. I'm behind that. Have a, you know, Splinko talk now, (laughs) Mr. Dunham. Well, guess who didn't need to do that to prove her her ability? Mary Brown. Mary 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 Brown? Is that her name? From Dead Silence. From Dead Silence? What's the name? Oh. What's her name? It's not Mary Brown, I just realized. Um, oh, uh, Mary, Mary Blair. Shaw. Mary Shaw. Yeah. Had yeah. no children, only dolls. Yes. Mary Brown is from Blair Witch. Mary Brown is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she saw the Blair Witch. Yeah. And she could see she was a woman and she had horse hair. Yeah. No, Mary Shaw had no children, only dolls. I I watched it a few months ago, and so she's she's a ventriloquist, is my point. Right, and uh, you know she's the Jeff Dunham of her age. Yeah, and uh, so somebody from the crowd is like, "Now you're full of beans, Mary Shaw." So then she just like shuts it, Mm -hmm. and uh, the doll goes off. I don't even want to tell you what she says. At some point, she goes, (laughs) "Now who's the dummy?" (laughs) Oh, William, don't tell them. Oh, Kristen, too scary. There's almost like a law if you have. A ventriloquist dummy, you must say, 
now who's the dummy at some point in your act. Absolutely. Is there any... It's the most obvious thing you could possibly given. do. Yeah. Why do they all have to do right. it? And it's right. I guess. I don't know. Well, <laughs> you remember the Charlie <laughs> McCarthy hearings. Of course. Anyway, so uh, Horatio Eddy, back to quoting this article from American Hauntings, Inc., Horatio Eddy, one of the brothers, acted as the medium for a seance. He sat on a camp stool under an arch uh, and was draped in a makeshift, quote unquote, spirit cabinet formed by shawls and branches that had been cut from small saplings. This is awesome. I love this the, the theatricality of this. Yeah. As Horatio rested there, a gigantic man dressed as a Native American emerged from the darkness of the cave. While the medium addressed uh, this spirit, someone cried out and pointed up towards the top of their a, a makeshift cave thing too. Yeah. Standing there silhouetted against the moon was another gigantic Native American. To the right, another spectral female materialized on a ledge. All in all, 10 such figures appeared during the seance. The last, the spirit of William White, the late editor of a spiritualist newspaper, emerged from within Horatio's cabinet. He was dressed in a black suit and white shirt and was supposedly recognizable to some who had read the newspaper and recognized him from his picture in it. What the hell's going on here? So they, they're saying like they materialized all these people and even one of them was pseudo famous and people were like, yeah, that's him. Right. What's happening here? I'm going to go with friends. I'm going to go with friends. Yeah. Right. These are actually their secret friends who are dressing up as characters. Yeah. And even the guy who died and they're like, I recognize him from his picture. Mm -hmm. It's like. You're so maybe just so suggestible by that point. Maybe they yeah. had him wearing things that were like distinctive that the guy used to wear. Totally. And so you can get kind of like swept up in it. And we're talking about 1800s photography. Right. This ain't no 4K iPhone. Oh, this wasn't in front of people? Pro. Oh, this happened in front of people. But yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah. if they're recognizing him from his photo in a newspaper. Oh, I see. Yeah. How good was that photo? Yeah. It looked like it was printed on a Game Boy camera. <laughs> <laughs> like some piece of crap. And yeah, it was just pixelated like. Pixelated beyond recognition. Why a man with a big bushy beard uh, appeared before me. Why that, that dead guy had a big bushy beard. Right. Like, I don't know. How, how well can you see? Right. Um, moments later. Oh, he vanished at the same time as the others did. Moments later, Horatio appeared from the cabinet and signaled that the seance was at an end. After the bizarre display was over, Olcott searched the cave and the surrounding area for footprints in the soft earth. They found no trace that anyone had been there. Hmm. Uh, so, Olcott went in, hopefully, you know, theoretically being like, I could be swayed either way. Let's right. see. He is so won over. And like, they had like- By just this event. No, he stayed there for okay. 10 weeks. Yeah. Witnessed this a bunch. Okay. And he is so bought into it by the end. Olcott ends up writing a book- Called People from Other Worlds. Hmm. It's still available now. You can get it on Kindle for like two bucks. Yeah. I scrolled through it a bit. It's looking pretty dense. <laughs> yeah. Looking pretty heavy. That Mr. sounds Olcott. right. Yeah. yeah. The guy who investigated Lincoln's assassination isn't known for his brevity. Right. No, it sounds like he's probably a pretty thorough fella. Oh, my God. Uh, the Eddies would evidently later on go their separate ways. But the biggest takeaway here is that this Olcott guy, yeah. he searched high and low. He looked for secret doors in, in all of their various seance events and supposedly never found a single wow. evidence of, of trickery. But I've got two 
quick points of, of my own analysis. Yeah. But One, wait, real quick. So the Eddie brothers went their separate ways from each other? Yes. What happened? Why? So I, I guess they, they were having disagreements. Uh-huh. There, there was like a puzzling aspect of this where it said that Horatio and William were, um, they couldn't read or write. Okay. I guess because of their horrific upbringing and then being like just dragged all around the country. Yeah. Um, so part of that actually stands to be like, how could they have been, been conjuring all these people or put together all of this, you know, spectacle if mm-hmm. they could barely communicate? Yeah. Uh, but so they were having some form of disagreements. All three of them go their separate ways. Horatio uh, becomes basically like a farmer, mm-hmm. but does occasionally, they say, magic tricks for local kids, which to mm. me screams like showman. Yeah. You know, if you're doing magic tricks on top of, like, those are not real magic tricks, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's also Although... what they say Jar Jar Binks did, is that he, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> it's really neither here nor there, I suppose, <laughs> but, like, the the end of that character who everybody hated is that, like, he still entertains children yeah. on tattooing with, with little tricks. Well, that's very nice. That's very nice. I mean, I guess they could be related. Like, what I'm thinking is that, you know, not that you said it, but um, him doing magic tricks would not necessarily negate the realness of his skill or whatever but if he was like traveling around with i don't know almost like a circusy sort of thing like a traveling act maybe he picked up some stuff and then he would whip out those skills for the kids maybe maybe I don't so know. he both he's both really adept at b- deliberately phony magic but also he's a real spiritualist maybe that's a pretty hard heavy I combo know. that to is deal tough with. Uh, Mary remained a, a spiritualist on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, William evidently... Was she just always on the fringes when they were doing their thing, basically? She is so... And I can't tell if she's like a victim of history that focused on the men right. or what, but she is so not the focal point of any of the stories that I found. She was, was she just, doing stuff ever, do you know? Evidently. Evidently she was a huh. part of these things because she is said to have gone off and continued being a spiritualist on yeah. her own. Uh, and William basically like went away, lived on like quiet property and mm-hmm. refused to have anything to do with spiritualism ever again. Interesting. Which I th- that's very interesting. Too. I think that either one or multiple of the Fox sisters, I think that may have been the case with them as well. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. One of them basically shunned it. Yeah. Like I, I know that at least one or two um, like kept on with it, right. kept doing it and like would, you know, have like paid shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think one was just like, she didn't even want to talk about it. And it's like, do you interpret that as like, did they have guilt over faking it for right. so long and didn't have the the stamina to keep playing at that, that ruse? Right. Or is it like they, they got too close to the fire with their mm-hmm. true power and they're like contacted Zool. They're or, like, I gotta back off and I can never dabble in this again. Yeah, totally. Or they have that power but just they got so burned out of the publicity of it. Right. That they're just like, I don't want to talk to anybody but maybe they're still practicing privately or something. That's great. That's that's an interesting point. Who knows? I had I had a, a, one other thought about yeah. all this stuff. because I, I Yeah, two. Well, I just gave... Oh, d- okay. D- Oh, 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 yeah, I didn't give you the one. Yeah. So this Olcott guy, right? Mm-hmm. He investigates and, and he's like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to believe it. Oh, I really do believe it. Yeah. And I, and and listen, I'm so on the level. I'm telling you, I searched high and low and I couldn't find anything. By the way, I've got a book. By the way, I wrote a book about it. Uh-huh. There's a profit yeah, to I be see. made. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he might have had an incentive to participate in it to some extent. I mean, he could have written a book bashing them and exposing them. Yeah, you yeah, know? I suppose that's true. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. But I don't know. You could go either I'm way. I'm just saying. I always look for the attention. Yeah, right. I always look for the 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 
commodity. A potential angle. Yes. Because mm-hmm. there's money. Now, that's actually another important thing is that they evidently didn't charge for their seances. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they would like board and room people. Yeah, there must be something else. Is there, yeah. yeah. Is it even attention? You know, if not fame, mm-hmm. they're locally famous. You know, yeah. I, you never know. You don't, you don't know what currency is important to somebody. So yeah. you got to look for that. But I also had this thought. Um, now, I don't believe that that you can contact the dead, yeah. which is confusing because we've had a couple experiences on this show that I'm like, that's interesting. That's all right. Uh, but we always, we always struggle with that. Yeah. But how about this? What if one of these stories, the Fox sisters, the Eddie brothers, whatever, what if one of them was real? Mm-hmm. One of them was full on definitely contacting the dead real, but they're the one. Oh, yeah. They're the one. And then there are all these copycats around it. Mm-hmm. And because there are so many copycats, it diminishes how amazingly, yeah. verifiably real one of them was. Right. You know? And it's like a fluke of science yep. that this one person, they they did have some ability to sense these other wavelengths, like you were just talking about, mm-hmm. seeing other, you know, spectrums. Yeah. Whatever. They did contact the dead, but now nobody goddamn believes it because of yeah. all these other phony balonies. There are like a ton of boys who cried wolf around them. Yeah. But like they really saw the wolf. They really saw the wolf. Yeah. Right? Like I had that thought too. And I'm that like, is fine. I mean, because there are things, you know, they're like medical anomalies who it's like, it's a proven thing that like this is different than what would be the case for everybody else. And we, we just can't explain it. Like what? Oh, I don't know. No, I mean, just in general. You, you made not... me think of Unbreakable, where it's like, Bruce Willis, your bones don't break. I've been searching for the one person who Maybe would survive one Maybe it's not true that there's things. one. Maybe that's not true. Well, that's the thing. But don't... It feels like somehow, like even just look at statistics. George Carlin had that thing where he was like, statistically, someone is the worst doctor in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And someone's the best. Yeah. Statistically, is somebody, does somebody have the strongest bones? I guess so. You know what I mean? I guess like, for like any any like unit of measure, there's like the most of it and there's the least of it. Everything's a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So like somebody is so but but does that mean somebody is so so open, psychic. So psychic. Yeah, so tapped in. Right. Just because there's a spectrum, it's not like, you know, we're all on the same on a spectrum of people who can fly mm-hmm. and people who cannot fly, we're all on the people who cannot fly side. Right. There's not one of us who can fly. Right. True. So is that what it's like for spiritualism or is it Do like... you get more nitpicking? You're like, they can jump really high. The person, the person the... who jumps the highest is the closest to flying. Sure. They are the one. So is there somebody, yeah, who is I the most least tapped in? <laughs> the, right. The most, the most least tapped in. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't so, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But no, I hear what you're saying. You see what I'm saying, though? Yeah, no, it is interesting to think about. It would be it would be fun to imagine that one of these stories somewhere was real. And they're like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, shit. Listen to me. Come I on. know it sounds crazy. I know everybody else makes it seem like it's not real. But for me, it's real. It was real. Yeah. It's also like all the ghost footage online and stuff where it's like, yeah. is one of those things like a real picture of a ghost. But right. we all go, they're all photoshopped. Orbs. Orbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that about does it. Did I just, I, I bogarted some of your stuff, didn't I? No, it's totally fine. That's why we have overflow episodes. I uh, I had a great time. That is true. Can I read you something? Yes. Because I just read you the story of the most haunted place. Mm-hmm. I also did check to see what is the least haunted place. Yeah, yeah. I'll have unused stuff too, by the way, for yeah. this episode. Um, I'm sorry. I can't believe I went that long. I don't care. Long. Uh, 
according to hauntedplaces.org, this is the least haunted place. Okay. In Vermont, which yeah, is funny. What do you even say about it? I know. Because like, well, cause like it's certain, a house. We're guaranteed. They're saying it is haunted. Yeah. But this is the true, one that ha- I don't even know how their rating system works. Yeah. I should probably look into that. I th- I mean, I, I know that you can hit like an up arrow or a down arrow. Or I think whatever. it's basically so it just must like be that. that. Like most people hit the down arrow for this place. True. So for whatever system this is, the Eddie House, for reference, ranked at a ninety-two point three. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what that means. Right. But this least haunted place came in at a forty-six point seven. Okay. All right. So so half. Mm-hmm. All right. It's Saxton's River Cemetery. Okay. This is their description. This is the whole thing. Visitors to this cemetery have reported negative vibes and feeling that they're being followed. When they turn around, no one is there. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That is the that is the most bare bones. Yeah. Who's getting positive vibes from a cemetery? I'm about to by say, I mean, of all settings that you're gonna feel like a little creeped out in, yes. like cemetery is probably toward the top. Right. Totally. So it makes absolute sense. Uh, and then I have this comment from Naomi. My mom used to play there as a kid and said she always felt safe and loved. Ah. Um, and somebody replied to that. So that's the least scary haunting. Totally. Yeah, if you feel safe and loved, but it's haunted. Yeah. yeah. Mike said this. I was living in the old Kern Hatton homes next to the cemetery. My little sister at the time was very young. It was drawing images of fire and demons. Oh, God. Drawing things and saying things a girl her age could never know about. She played in that cemetery every day. Sometimes I'd go with her. We noticed her room temperature was very, very cold. Hmm. The entire house was kept at warm temps, but it was only her room that felt like the North Pole. (laughs) I could... I could hear loud bangs at night, and I never felt right when I walked into the building. We contacted Father Harlow, a priest not too far from Saxon's River. He experts in exorcisms and other religious practices. He came to our building and blessed the entire house, ever inch, and blessed us all ass well. (laughs) A-S-S well. The weird thing happening. The weird, what? This is why I copied it down because it's impossible to yeah. read. But the weird thing happening died down a bit, okay. but we ended up moving to another house. We did not feel safe near that cemetery. Mm-mm-mm. No, I don't believe I... any of this. <laughs> I don't know. That family seemed to have quite a time. Doesn't sound like the least haunted place to me. And Naomi's mom felt safe and loved. Yeah. But this guy, his whole ass house or whatever. <laughs> Even had to call in Father Hartwell. The whole ass house is haunted. <laughs> so there you go. The most and Delightful. least haunted places delightful i love it well thank you willie thank all of you out there for listening we really really hope that you enjoyed the show um go check out digital folklore uh it's a really cool show you can go check out all of our bonus stuff at patreon.com slash gttu pod you can check out will's stuff that he does at the myth traveler.com and you can also check us out on social media i am at chillin Kristen. I am at the Myth Traveler. Go peep that spiritual gazette. Oh, go check it out. It's from a post like two years ago. But uh, I don't post that much, so it won't be hard to find. Follow at GTTU pod. We had a viral video. Oh my gosh. We had a, vi- a video go viral this week because Kristen <laughs> noticed that the zombies in Resident Evil 2. They shit their asses. They do. And so we posted it and it got nearly 100,000 views. And Crazy. the comments are very funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm at my best when I'm commenting to people. <laughs> 
I haven't even looked. I, I've, I've just seen what you've sent me. Kristen, it's so much fun. <laughs> the things that people write are so weird. Yeah. So many people are like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you die. So like, <laughs> like they didn't have to program it into a game. No, it's so, not like all zombie media is full of poop pants zombies. It's unusual and so worth stupid. remarking on. I, I think, uh, who was it? Somebody said something so funny and I put it in our, I put like a, I, I made like a little rebuttal video. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And it made me laugh so goddamn hard. Who was, was it? Was it looking at? Somebody was like, somebody said like there are so many high and mighty like zombie poop opinions. Oh here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who said that? Yeah, somebody came to our aid. Yeah, here. There are way too many nonchalant. <laughs> so this is oh amazing. This is from Mo. Yeah, we, we know Mo. Mo. She's awesome. Okay, uh, this is Mo at Need Mo Faith on Instagram. There are way too many nonchalant, holier-than-thou comments about zombie shit knowledge here. And Mo is absolutely right. So right, but it made me laugh so much because so many people were, like, negging on like, us. Like, oh, yeah, no, duh, that's what happens when you die. Oh, medically accurate. Well, yeah, we're watching, we're playing Resident Evil. Yeah, I'm not looking for medical accuracy. It's bizarre. So anyway, go check that out. At yeah. GTTU Pod. Super fun. So what a bizarre funny. time. Uh, go uh, uh, leave us a review. I'd love to see if you guys feel like uh, uh, you had a good time from the show. Leave us an Apple Podcast review. That would be great. Uh, that would be wonderful. You yeah. can say, I really like this show. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for more scary stuff. A lot of scream material coming to the Patreon. Oh, yeah. Uh, so peep us there. And until we see you, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go we. We go peep. In our thunder In pots. thunder pot. <laughs> <laughs> now you know that somebody was like, we it sounds we. like thunder. We sounds yeah. like thunder in there. Yes. You're what are you creating an ecosystem in there? <laughs> what cold air run into hot air in there? What is God bowling in there? <laughs> <laughs>